0: Alright, what's up guys? Welcome back to Rollin' with the Winners, episode 22. So, it is 11.40 right now on Monday night, and the LSU-Clemson game is still going on. And I I swear this game is going at half speed. Like, this is insane. I did not expect to be recording this late. Um, And as I start to record this episode, uh, there is 12.08 left in the game. LSU is up 42-25, 42-25, to 25, literally just scored the most beautiful touchdown, the most beautiful throw from Joe Burrow before I hit play on this. Um, and, you know, your girl has a lot of responsibilities tomorrow, so I just I had to start recording. Um, still 12 minutes left, like I said, so I'm going to end the podcast with some LSU Clemson talk to try to give the most current update for you all. We will see where we are at at that point. But like I said, right now, LSU up 42.25. If it changes and somehow they manage to blow this, I shall discuss it all next week. But <laughs> for now, we're just rolling with it. Uh, so, getting into the topics for today. First, wanted to start off with um, a follow up from last week. I mentioned that Jeff Akuda signed with Clutch Sports, uh, Rich Paul's agency now there is another face who has entered the clutch team and that is none other than Chase Young uh they i mean they're obviously getting top guys now and why wouldn't they i mean could you imagine being a a college athlete and you have LeBron James being the true pinnacle of success in professional sports, who signed with Clutch and just all the other success he's been able to build off of that, I would absolutely look to sign there um, and hope that it could bring me success as any athlete in whatever sport because of the proven success that already exists. Um, and I just would want to be associated with LeBron in some way because then you're boys at that point, and like that's kind of cool. Um, but kind of continuing on the LeBron train here. The other day, LeBron became the first Lakers player to record at least 35 points, 15 rebounds, and five assists in a single game since Shaq did in the 2003-2004 season. Um, It was on November 6, 2003, when Shaq had 35 points, um, 20 rebounds, I think, and six assists. I mean, guys, I'm telling you, I feel like people recognize, yes, that LeBron is doing well right now, but I just... I personally just don't think we're talking about it enough. I really don't. I know that I talk about it a lot, but I just feel like, in general, it's been sort of accepted as the norm. And what he's doing is so impressive, it does not look to me that he's on the decline at all. Numbers have been unreal. Um, I know I mentioned a couple months ago when the NBA season was starting that I thought... um, There's a potential for him to pass Kobe on the all-time scoring list when the Cavs play the Lakers um, on the 13th today as I'm recording. So as you're listening, if you're listening on the 14th yesterday, um, that did not work out unfortunately, but he is still super close right now and it should come very soon. Um, It's the halftime of the Lakers-Cavs game right now and he is 153 points away from him as we speak uh, mid-game, so that is not accurate as to when you will be listening to this tomorrow, but... I mean, I truly cannot wait for this moment. It's going to be so beautiful. And even though he's averaging a few less points per game this season, uh, just around 25 points per game, he's still averaging eight rebounds and almost 11 assists per game, which has been what I've been saying for the last few weeks, that those those two stats have pretty much stood strong throughout the entire uh, year. And I just want to keep reminding everyone of this because it's important. Um I was thinking about this recently, and I think I've talked about this before, how there are sports analysts who say they don't believe in statistics, and uh, yes, I think eye tests are important, and everything is very situational, but LeBron is doing things that are statistically insane, and those things tell the story of why he is the GOAT. And I was also thinking about this, that I know I haven't done the GOAT episode yet, the Jordan Lebron argument because I'm truly just waiting for the right moment and the right guest to do it. I don't want to force the episode if it's not right because I think the argument really deserves some real, some real time and attention. Um, so now kind of tracking into another topic, the NFL playoffs uh, have been wild. Truly, even starting with the wild card games that I had talked about last episode. Um, this past weekend of games did not. Um, yeah, they were crazy. I mean, they were just as crazy as the wildcard games. First of all, the Ravens losing was truly one of the most surprising things to me, but in a way not surprising because I think the Titans are on just a high after potentially ending the greatest dynasty in the NFL ever. And if they, they won that game and if they could win, throughout the rest of their schedule here and win the Super Bowl I mean that's got to be one of the toughest playoff schedules to ever play and go on to win I mean props to them because I did not see that one coming the chiefs Texans game was also wild. Um, if you didn't watch the Texans were up 24, nothing pretty early on. And the chiefs went on this insane run to score a touchdown on seven straight drives. They ended up winning that game 51 to 31. And, um, as my mom was saying, as I was texting her throughout the game watching, she said, that's why the NFL stands for not for long, uh, which couldn't be more true in that situation. Um, Close battle between Green Bay and the Seahawks. Green Bay pulled that one out. Um, so I don't, I was kind of like back and forth on that one. I sort of wanted the Seahawks to win for whatever reason. I was feeling some sort of soft spot for them, but, um, unfortunately for them, it did not work out in their favor. The Vikings 49ers was the last game, which is, um, a little bit of a crucial game in some way in terms of impacting the Browns because, um, as I will talk about later, our new head coach, uh, came out of that game. Uh, but the 49ers did go on to win that game as well. Shout out to my man, Jimmy G love him, proud of him. It's pretty much all I have to say about those games, but it was, it was another wild weekend. Just like I said, just as crazy as the wild card games. Um, And we are rounding out to the time of year where uh, the discussions for the next class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame are beginning, Um, and it's a little bit different this year with the centennial, the way they are announcing the Hall of Fame class. Usually all of them figure out with the knock from David Baker at their door the day before the Super Bowl, Uh, but this year they're doing a bigger class, so they've already announced some of... Those members and I think are still going to do some of the traditional uh, ways of announcing it um, the day before the Super Bowl with the knock at the door. Uh, One in particular that I'm super excited about and think this is a very long time coming, but Jimmy Johnson is finally being inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame as uh, one of the contributor slots. So David Baker actually came to Fox's NFL halftime show to congratulate Jimmy and let him know the news in person and I wish I could play this video for you guys if you have not seen it yet I know I say this a lot about videos but this is one you absolutely need to watch because I mean Jimmy was so he was so overcome with emotion he started having trouble breathing they were like are you okay (laughs) because he was choking literally from the fact that he couldn't breathe because he was overcome with this emotion of that moment and Watching the videos at any time of those Hall of Famers figuring out they are in has to be one of my favorite things in all of sports. Because it is, it's is—it's just such a pure moment where they are recognized for all the work they put in. I mean, there are only 300 and some Hall of Famers, uh, which is crazy to think about considering how many people have played this game. You think about going from the high school level to the college level to the professional level. And then only 300 of those guys, 300 plus, you know, wherever we're at now, have ended up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, it, that's just it has to feel like the greatest honor in the world. And like I said, that moment when David Baker thanks them for all they've done for the game of football is just... One of the greatest moments of their lives and I love watching it because I like crying and I like crying and watching those. Uh, So I definitely recommend this one because it's just he's on the set of the show and David Baker walks in the room and it's it's a beautiful moment. Um, but I wanted to talk a little more about Jimmy Johnson because he has just always been someone who has really intrigued me. And if you don't know about his history, I kind of wanted to talk about it a little here. Um, he's he's had success in quite a few different areas in the NCAA, the NFL, as well as being uh, obviously a TV analyst now, for quite some time, um, but to take away back, Jimmy actually got his start playing at the University of Arkansas. He was a defensive lineman and he was teammates at the time with uh, none other than Jerry Jones, uh, which will kind of come up a few more times in this episode, actually. Um, after many years um, and many schools of building his resume post- player career um uh, he went on to be an assistant coach like I said at many schools um and then he got his first head coaching job at Oklahoma State um but where his fame and a lot of what he's known for really really sparked was in 1984 when he got the head coaching job at the U um we all know how that story goes, and if you don't know, I recommend watching The U and The U Part 2, which are the 30-for-30s that ESPN made about the Miami Hurricanes team. Um, his first season when he got to The U, he was only 8-5, and five, but the next four years he went on to have some of the most incredible success um, that a coach could ask for. Overall, his record coaching at Miami was 52-9-1, and obviously, if you do the math five of those losses came from that first year. So pretty incredible seasons he had to follow. Um, I could get into all the numbers from there, but what's really important and what really stood out to me was sort of the attitude and the reputation that that team had and that Jimmy really really encouraged them to have. He wanted them to trash talk opponents and be showy on and off the field, which a lot of times coaches do the exact opposite of that, but he was really buying into this attitude and this mentality they had Um, he actually only won one championship with them and lost another one to Penn State which was one of the more famous games in college football Um, but they had just had this reputation of playing differently than everyone else Um, for that Penn State game they showed up I think it was the day before the game against Penn State in this military style attire to show this sort of ready for battle mentality Um, I mean, that one didn't work for them because they went on to lose that game, but that was always their attitude. They did some outlandish things like that, um, and they knew other teams were afraid to play them. Uh, So I definitely recommend those 30 for 30s if you have not seen them already. But uh, continuing in with Jimmy's legacy, um, Jerry Jones comes back into play here because after the Miami Hurricanes, Jimmy went on to coach the Cowboys under Jerry's ownership. So kind of crazy how... Things always come full circle. Um, Jimmy coached the Cowboys from 1989 to 1993 and was actually one of only six men to win consecutive Super Bowls in NFL history. He won those in the 92 and 93 seasons. Um, Following that, he took two years to be an analyst before he ended up taking a coaching job with the Dolphins for. I think it was three years, but it really did not live up to expectations. Even with Dan Marino at quarterback, he just he never lived up to what uh, could have been with him coaching there. But kind of back to the time with the Cowboys, which is the most pivotal moment when he left the Cowboys Jimmy and Jerry Jones had one of those mutual agreements that I talk about that I don't really believe are ever mutual agreements, Um, but they ended up splitting after that win in 1993 because there was this growing tension between the two of them and they were really not agreeing on anything. Um, I mean, there are still comments that you hear from Jerry Jones in more recent years about Jimmy's disloyalty. Uh, so I'm kind of interested to see if there's any butting of heads of that in the Hall of Fame, considering Jerry was inducted. I think it was two years ago as a contributor. Um, I was actually working at the Hall the year Jimmy was, or the year Jerry was inducted. Um, I never had the chance to meet him but was in the same vicinity actually at one point of all of his grandchildren uh and it, it was one of those things where i looked around at them and i could just tell like those are jerry jones' grandchildren they just they oozed it i i could i could feel it in the room um and minutes after that was actually my story of um being on a golf cart with des bryant so it happened to be quite the eventful day for me you know some of the cool things i get to carry with me from working there but like i said i just wonder what kind of tension might exist there because to be honest money runs everything and jerry jones is the epitome of having money uh so if there's still actual tension between him and jimmy i just i'd love to be a fly on the wall in those conversations of how all that's going to go down but regardless i am very happy for jimmy i think this is well deserved um, I do have to remind myself this is for his professional football career and he has already been, you know, awarded for his his time in the NCAA just because I feel like for me the years he had at the U are what stand out as being the most meaningful but obviously should be rewarded for those couple of Super Bowls as well. Um, kind of rolling on the topic here of uh, head coaches in the NFL – for important things to know in crushing brewskis in the Muni lot, the Browns finally have a new head coach. Um, I was a little sad after last episode when I said I wanted McCarthy, and then he slept at Jerry Jones' house, and uh, Jerry coming up again. And uh, You know, at that point, though, you kind of know all hope is lost. I mean, I was kind of wondering if anyone got any walk-of-shame photos of McCarthy leaving Jerry's in the morning, like... Do you think he left wearing one of Jerry's t-shirts or like either I picture either that or Jerry had like a monogrammed fluffy robe waiting there for him as like a little giveaway. I don't know just like something to me about Jerry screams monogrammed robes so that's just for whatever reason I'm just picturing McCarthy leaving Jerry's house in a robe with his you know nice initials on it but Nobody got those shots apparently, but at this point, we all know the Browns moved forward now with hiring Vikings offensive quarter offensive coordinator. Man, I can't talk, uh, Kevin Stefanski. I actually tweeted this today, but I just need to put it out there, and I might get some hate because as soon as a girl even mentions the thought of a man in sports being. Somewhat attractive, they automatically become a fake fan and they don't know what they're talking about. But I just have to say, the Browns hired a hot coach, and we just need to put it out there. We have to get it out of the way, we have to make it known because we're all thinking about it. He has the facial hair that every man aspires to have in their life. I mean, truly, it's like the perfect middle ground between the I've been trying to grow a beard for 10 years, but it's still patchy and it's never really worked out. So like it's kind of weird and that I'm super old and therefore my beard is no longer a desirable thing. He has this perfect just like right in the middle. It's like got a nice like first winter snow sprinkle on it. And honestly, the best thing about him, which I recently discovered looking at some old coaching pictures of his from his early years with the Vikings, is that he wasn't always hot. And we all know there is nothing worse on this earth than someone who was always hot and never had to suffer through years of being not hot. Like being not hot builds character. It gives you it gives you a sense of humor. You know, it just like forces you to be good at things that aren't being hot. Like you just have to be good at other stuff. So, it's honestly just a huge plus in my opinion that he had ugly years. I mean, I get it. Like I had braces till I was 16, so I like had to try to be good at other things. So that by the time like some men started finding me remotely attractive. I had already gained a personality, which is great. And like, I wouldn't change it for the world. I hope my children are ugly for 16 years and then come into their own because it's just like guaranteed success. You don't want to be hot in the seventh grade. Hot seventh graders are probably in jail now. Like hot seventh graders. Okay, let me tell you about hot seventh graders. Hot seventh graders gained no street smarts or interesting qualities. They They don't have those like interesting quirks or stories because they got everything they wanted so they never had to be funny or witty or smart ugly seventh graders they are playing the long game they they are going to find the real success in life because they are worried about winning the war and not the battle so I mean moral of the story is that Kevin Stefanski is hot and you should do everything you can to make sure that your children are ugly for at least a few of their like crucial developmental years because I mean it'll just do wonders for them I I promise you but I'm just rambling now because I'm really tired and it's um, midnight um, but anyways I promise this is the last time I will talk about his wonderfully like sophisticated and distinguished beard but probably not the last time because I'll probably come up with other clever things to say so we could just move forward for now but to get into the actual nitty-gritty of Kevin Stefanski, so that I don't lose all respect of my listeners at this point. Um, If you don't know about Kevin Stefanski, I'm going to tell you about him. He has obviously held some positions with the Vikings. Those positions date back to 2006 um, up until now. Uh, He started off as the assistant to the head coach and has worked his way up to the Vikings offensive coordinator. Um, And he was actually last year a finalist for the Browns head coaching job, but we all know lost that to Freddie. Freddie. Um, His actual football history dates back to when he was a defensive back at Penn, and he really comes from quite the sports family because his dad is the senior advisor of basketball operations for the Pistons, and during... so, I mean, it's interesting that, that his history is throughout his entire family, but during Kevin's 13 seasons with the Vikings, his overall record throughout all the positions he held was 117, 105, and 2. Uh, I mean, obviously you can't put too much weight on that because he had varying roles there, but in general, just good to know. Um, also important to know that he worked with a great quarterback, Mr. Brett Favre himself, um, and I think something you're going to hear people on the radio, people on the television, everything constantly say about him is that he gets the most out of players, which is certainly something that I love to hear. He had success in helping lead Case Keenum to his best season in the pros. Uh, when Adrian Peterson was hurt, he helped to get really just the most out of those backups. And I think in terms of that specifically, that is exactly what the Browns need. We have so much talent, and that's all everyone talks about is how we have all this talent, and we just need someone to get the best out of it. I mean, when you talk about the Browns in 2019, the word to describe them was that they underperformed. So if Stefanski's the guy that helps bring out the most of his guys, then it, to me personally, it sounds like a good match. Um, and to the Browns fans who are hating on this hire, like grow up. I, I mean, I personally am at a very peaceful place with the Browns right now where I'm not feeling optimistic or pessimistic. I'm just kind of letting things be. And I think that is our best bet right now is just to put no pressure on it this off season Watch what happens next year. I encourage everyone to just join me in putting zero pressure on this hire or anything that happens in the offseason because it doesn't do us any good. So I'm just hoping for the best, but having zero expectations whatsoever. Okay, so back to LSU Clemson. Wow, now there is five minutes and 50 seconds left in the game as we speak LSU is still up 42 to 25. God bless. Um First of all, Joe Joe Burrow showed up today and I'm just so happy for him. I was feeling a little nervous in the first quarter when it seemed like they couldn't get things going and Clemson really came out punching, but Joe Burrow is just stone cold. I mean, it I feel like nothing can shake him. He just doesn't seem to be bothered by anything ever. Um Another interesting point in the game is there was just so much irony in the targeting call that happened with about five minutes left in the third quarter. I just I wanna point out how immature the Clemson guy was who was ejected. He was just kind of being cry a ba- crybe crybaby and that's in comparison to Sean Wade and how mature he was after he was leaving the the field after he was thrown out from his targeting call, and he was just motivating his teammates. Um, And I think that just shows the discipline of different teams and is very important to note. Um, Joe Burrow also today broke the NCAA single season passing touchdown record, uh, which is amazing. Um, And like I said, still five minutes left in the game, but I'm feeling good about it. So I really, really hope I don't regret saying that tomorrow if this somehow turns around. But um, I'm going to say congratulations uh, to LSU. And in the voice of Ed, I'm going to say go Tigers, but I really just can't say it like him. There's nothing like the way he says it. Um, But yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review, rating, subscribe. You all know the drill. Uh, And I will catch you next week.